Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recording. This is Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Never say never, but never. I plan on leading this team with an unwavering standard. Everybody love everybody. We will call it the golden standard. And this is the standard that will drive this football program to its 12th national championship. With Sean Styers. I like that guy. Yeah, what you could do is, is you could have a barbecue on that it's head. a good time, you know what I mean? On Sports Radio 960 AM, double. USBT. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. And now your host, Sean Styers. Hello, good evening. Welcome to the show. Who's ready for some football? Blue-gold game coming your way tomorrow afternoon. Live from Notre Dame Stadium. Action starts at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, a day that's supposed to be beautiful, which is more than I can say about Today it's been raining off and on. Fortunately, off right now. Knock on wood. Uh, but Kerry Pujo and the gang at WSB Twenty Two say it's going to be partly sunny tomorrow. High in the eighties. So I am ready for it, and uh, I'm sure you are too. Especially if you're coming into town for the game. If you're not, or even if you are, no matter where you are, we've got you covered tomorrow because you'll be able to hear tomorrow's Blue Gold game on multiple platforms. You can hear it right here, Sports Radio 960 AM. You can also access it at WSBTRadio.com. It's the World Wide Web, as you know it. WSBT Radio app. If you download the app on your phone, you'll get it there. Or if you have Sirius XM radio, you'll hear it on Channel 84 on Sirius XM. So there you go. I mean, it's all over the place. Darren Pritchett and I are going to have the call from Notre Dame Stadium. Tomorrow afternoon, we will bring you the 91st Blue Gold football game on all of those platforms, including right here on WSBT. Of course, we know they drafted the teams a couple of days ago. Running backs coach Delan McCullough, he's going to coach the gold. He had seniors like Cam Hart helping draft his team. Defensive line coach Al Washington, he will coach the blue. He had seniors like Houston Griffith uh, aiding his draft process hear a little bit from those guys before I get into in a little bit more detail some things that I am looking for in tomorrow's game here's Washington on the draft plan he laid out going into Wednesday's draft uh it was a lot of, first off it was a, a lot of fun um it's a nice way to end a spring competitive spring uh so our, our mentality our, our plan was a collaborative one you know we all kind of talk together and, uh, you know, just wanted to put, put together uh, a team that had depth. You know, that's the one thing, you know, you can kind of identify what, what positions have a little more depth than the other ones. So we kind of focused on the team, you know, the, the areas that maybe didn't have as much depth um, and, and tried to shore ourselves up that way. Yep. And uh, so they put that together. Here is McCullough on having the upper classmen involved in that blue gold draft process. Well, I mean, again, we everybody was feeding off of the energy of, of the whole GOAT staff over there and putting together a great plan, um, formulating 
the way that we'll, you know, attack on offense or defense and making sure we get the necessary pieces and we feel that we did. Yep, got them all put together. Everybody got a little bit of something. And, and you know, kind of like what Al Washington was talking about there, uh, you know, it's it's really like each team has a little bit more depth in one area or another. And, and again, I'll hit that here in a minute when I get some uh, more specifics. But uh, Washington says doing a draft, it, it gave them a little bit different fire kind of going into tomorrow's game you know in terms of spring games and all that kind of stuff absolutely I mean if I was a player and, and I wasn't number one for example I definitely would be motivated to prove myself and I think that's what you want I think that's part of coach Freeman's uh his plan was to to bring that out you know enthusiasm and you know guys uh you know bringing that competitive fire competitive spirit as we say so yeah I think that that definitely uh something that goes on Cam Hart, he's not going to be playing, but uh, he had a little bit of competitive fire of his own after the draft, talking a little smack and all that kind of stuff, having some fun with it, kind of fueled the fire, talking some trash about the blue at the end of the draft Wednesday. He's basically guaranteeing a win, and uh, you know his gold head coach, Mr. McCullough, he agrees. Um, we got a great plan, you know, um, a lot of enthusiasm, but more importantly, you know, we got the players to make the whole plan work. You know, I'm really excited about the coaches we have. We just go out there and have some fun. So creating some energy today, man, just respectful of this whole process. I'm excited about it. It's going to be a great way to culminate the spring. That was more coach speak than what I remembered. I thought he went out a little bit more on a limb than that. But, uh, you know, that was straight. You know, go on. It's a blue gold game. You can have fun with it. You can guarantee a win, coach. But uh, Houston Griffith now he is with the blue, and he is guaranteeing a win for his team. Yeah. I mean, I said you're going to see the results. I mean, Cam's talking about they're going to play with a lot of execution. I don't know how you're going to play with execution if my team's going to be wrecking havoc on offense and defense. See, there you go. That's how you do it. That's how you do it right there. That's how you talk it. Houston Griffith talking it. We'll see if he can back it up. But even if he can't, it's your own team. It's the blue-gold game. Notre Dame's going to win one way or the other. But a little bit of fun with blue-gold draft this week but uh, you know no Tyler Buckner as we talked about here yesterday definitely does change things in terms of what we'll see what we won't see Saturday but still a few different things that I'm looking to see when they take the field out there the blue and the gold regardless of which side they are you know for starters even without Buckner there there's there's still a lot to see with the other quarterbacks you know like Drew Pine he'll see action for both teams tomorrow so that means he's going to get work with all the skill position players I wonder if on the stat sheet they'll break it up you know so you see pine on the blue and on the gold when they do the stats at the end of the game or if he'll just have one big stat I don't know but uh, you know all the wide receivers all the tight ends he's going to get to work with all of them because of the fact that he is playing for both teams tomorrow so it won't be like oh well he didn't have Michael Mayer to throw to so how are we going to judge him or he didn't have Lorenzo Styles or Braden Lindsay because of the fact he's playing for both sides he's going to be able to work with all the different skill position players offensively so I think that's a plus for him he played a lot in last year's blue gold game you know he and Jack Cohn were out there competing for the starting job that seems like more than just a year ago at this point that we had that quarterback competition going on but you know he's competing for it again with Tyler Buckner. Uh, so the biggest question for Pine is, I think, does he look the part? You know, does he look like a quarterback who can, at the very least, come off the bench and play winning football, even if Buckner is the starter 
next fall. You know, he was called upon in the Wisconsin game to come off the bench and and uh, help lead the team to victory after Cone got hurt and then uh, after Cone got benched against Cincinnati, came out there wasn't quite as sharp in that game, but he played a lot in last year's Blue Gold game because of that quarterback competition. He was 11 of 23, so 47% in the Blue Gold game. Now it was a little bit windy and you had, you know, varying levels of experience at receiver you've got that once again though tomorrow for that matter but uh so 47 percent he completed in the blue gold game last year the two games he played in Cincinnati and Wisconsin two good defenses but 15 of 30 combined and that was his uh that was the sum total of his action last year flat even 50 percent is what Drew Pine completed last year so as popular as he was when Cone was struggling, 50%, that's it's not winning football, especially if you're not a mobile quarterback. Like if you're a quarterback who can run and bring another element, you'd still like better than 50%, but you can accept you know, 50, I think, if, if you're a guy who can bring something with your legs. That's not necessarily Drew Pine. He can scramble and get out of trouble and things like that, but he's obviously not the runner of you know Tyler Buckner or a guy like Brandon Wimbush or or something like that. So, but beyond him, uh, you know, what do Ron Paulus and Steve Angeli look like? They're going to get opportunities too. They're, you know, they're both scholarship quarterbacks. They'll both get a lot of reps too because it'll be mostly those three guys: Paulus, Angeli, and Pine out there. We saw a little Paulus in the in the spring game last year, um, and like Buckner last year, Angeli is now an early enrollee, so we'll get our first chance to really see him live. But, you know, could he maybe carve out some kind of package going forward for himself? Curious to see what it all looks like. Um, offensive line is a big one. Beyond the recruiting boost, you know, that Notre Dame got out of Brian Kelly going to LSU, maybe the next biggest thing to come out of Marcus Freeman uh, becoming a head coach, or at least in the conversation, is Harry Heastan's re- return to coach the offensive line because that needed fixing. It became very painfully obvious last year and I mean you know go down the line Zach Martin Quentin Nelson Ronnie Stanley Mike McGlinchey all first round draft picks thanks to Harry Heastand it's like it's a Mount Rushmore (laughs) right there of offensive linemen a couple perennial all pros a team captain another guy who got a big contract Ronnie Stanley unfortunately before he got He's, you know, he's battled injuries the last couple of years. But, I mean, just those four guys right there. Last year's Jeff Quinn coached offensive line averaged just 4.1 yards per carry with the same running back, Cameron Williams, in the backfield that, uh, you know, as a team averaged five yards per carry. And the rushing production went down from over 200 yards a game to 143 yards a game last year. And it's not because that's what they wanted to do. You know, they would rather have had an offensive line who could pass pluck for Jack Cohn better and run block for Kyron Williams better. But didn't happen. You know, they were maybe the least physical offensive line of Brian Kelly's tenure at Notre Dame. And we're not going to see the entire starting five, of course, play together because of the fact that they drafted teams and they put it together. But the blue team's going to have uh, you know, three of the possible five starters on the offensive line. Right tackle, Blake Fisher, right guard, Josh Lug, left guard. Andrew Kristoffik, joined by Tosh Baker, Quinn Murphy, and Brennan Wicks. 
the gold defensive line they will face off against includes Justin Adamalola, Howard Cross, who was the first defensive lineman pick. Uh, picked. It's interesting that they went with uh, uh, Cross inside as uh, the first offensive lineman picked was Zeke Carell. But the, the, so the gold defensive line, Adam Alola, Howard Cross, Gabe Rubio, Nana Osafa Mensah, Aiden Gobira, Osita Ekwanu, and Tyson Ford. Uh, the gold offensive line, pretty solid mix. Joe Alt, the left uh, tackle. Center Zeke Carell, who's in for the injured Jared Patterson this spring. And then you've got Michael Carmody, Rocco Spindler, very versatile. Uh, Caleb Johnson. And also you've got long snapper Michael Vinson over there. Defensive line they're going to face is pretty formidable. Isaiah Foskey, Riley Mills, Jacob Lacey, Alexander Ahrensberger, Josh Burnham, and Jason Anye. So that's kind of what those you know down in the trenches matchups look like. But the main thing I'm looking for from the offensive line is pretty simple. Do they look like a more physical group? Do they take the action to the guys across the line of scrimmage from them? They were pushed around a lot last year, but I suspect pretty strongly that we'll see something different tomorrow with uh, a Harry Heastan group out there. Running back groups, no Kyron Williams, of course. Off to the NFL, we'll see a familiar mix of faces with a new one. Freshman Jadarius Price added to the mix as well. Uh, running backs didn't get a lot of work last year. Chris Tyree had 10 carries in the game. But, you know, a part of that I think was by design because of the fact that you had a quarterback competition going on and they wanted to see the two guys, Pine and, and Cohn, throw the ball more. Maybe this year there's more action with the running backs. You still don't want to get anybody beat up in a spring game. But on the one side, the running back group, Logan Diggs, who was the first running back drafted, Audric Estime, Chase Ketter, Sam Asaf. The other running back group, Jadarian Price, who was the second running back pick, Chris Tyree, the fourth running back pick, and Skip Volata. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but I, you know, I want to see if there's anything to the fact that Tyree was the fourth running back drafted Wednesday. Well, you know, what what do we what do we make of that? You know, because it went Logan Diggs, the freshman JD Price, then Estimate, then Tyree. And that's after Delan McCullough said earlier this spring that the plan was for Tyree to be the lead back for the Irish. So I don't know. Again, like am I reading too much into that? I'll ask Brian Driscoll what he thinks here in a few minutes. Could be, you know, they just know what he gives them. They prioritized other guys in this draft, that kind of thing. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Wide receivers, it's a small group with the blue, Lorenzo Styles, Deion Colsey, Jack Polian, Chase Dixon, Matt Salerno, the gold receivers, Braden Lindsey, Jaden Thomas, who was the second wide receiver picked. Lindsey was not drafted because he was a senior. Uh, So, you know, he was already assigned to that group, Connor Radigan, Griffin Eifert, Tyler's younger brother, Moses Rogers. But, you know, Lindsey Styles, proven commodities, no real question with those guys. Avery Davis and Joe Wilkins, they're not playing due to injuries. My biggest questions are with the two sophomores to be. Deion Colsey, Jaden Thomas. Colson's the big body guy, 6'4", four-star guy, four catches for 67 yards last year. Thomas, not as big, 6'1", but another four-star guy. And these are both guys Notre Dame is going to need. When you've got a small group of scholarship receivers, you can't just be that guy, especially if you're a four-star guy. You can't just be the guy bringing up the rear. You've got to show that you can do something. And so this is an opportunity for both of these guys tomorrow to show you know some kind of glimmer 
of growth. What are we going to see from these guys? Are they physically up to the task for of competing for 50-50 balls, you know, that kind of thing? Do they need to be wide open to make a catch? Really looking for them to kind of maybe open some eyes tomorrow. Young corners, um, really interested in seeing this group of corners. You know, Cam Hart won't be playing because of his injury. Clarence Lewis is a junior now. And, man, I mean, it seems like just yesterday he was a freshman coming in for Tariq Bracey against Clemson. But, you know, he's not the young gun. Jaden Mickey, he's he's kind of the guy that I, I think is maybe the it guy Right now, he posted a video on his Instagram account today of a pick six that he had off Drew Pine in practice. And he's been kind of the guy to watch a little bit. Philip Riley, Jaden, but you know, some of those guys, it's just like another area of priority. The receivers and the guys who cover the receivers, pretty big. Got to get both of those uh, houses in order. But there's some, you know, interesting young talent. And again, this gives us a chance to see some of those guys tomorrow at the Blue Gold Game. And again, you'll hear it here on 960 AM, WSBTradio.com, the WSBT Radio app, and also Sirius XM Channel 84. That's where you will hear it tomorrow. So even if you're out and about driving around or doing some yard work, whatever it happens to be, we will have the Blue Gold Game for you, Darren Pritchett and I, right here on any of those platforms. Uh, real quick, Men's basketball team, Irish men's basketball team, two things. Uh, one that I I guess I mentioned both of them in our Sports Center update, but wanted to be sure to mention it here as well. Dane Goodwin announced today on social media that he is going to be back. He's going to use that super senior season, as they call it, that came with COVID, basically the extra COVID year of eligibility. Goodwin was Notre Dame's second leading scorer at 13.6 a game behind Blake Wesley this past season, best three-point shooter on the team at 45%. So Dane Goodwin's going to be back. He was just named the uh, most improved player on the team, and they uh, they did hand out their team awards at a little informal ceremony yesterday. Neither Blake Wesley nor Nate Leshesky were there, at least it, based on the photo that I saw. They did like a team picture, you know, after the awards and all that stuff, and and I'm guessing, you know, I don't think it's much of a guess. Those guys were out doing their NBA, you know, draft camp preparation and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so those guys weren't there. But Blake Wesley was named Team Rookie of the Year. Lashevsky got the Leadership Award. Cormac Ryan, uh, Best Defender. Most Improved Player was Dane Goodwin. Um, assist Leader, Prentice Hub. Rebound Leader, Paul Atkinson. Junior and the team MVP goes to drum roll here. The entire team, the entire Notre Dame men's basketball team, got the team MVP award at uh, the men's basketball little award ceremony that they did yesterday. So, again, the big news there Dane Goodwin coming back, uh, still kind of waiting now on whether or not Nate Lashevsky might come back again. He's going through the draft process as is. Blake Wesley so we'll see what happens with those guys but that's that's pretty big news uh, to get Dane Goodwin back with you know kind of a core of some other guys coming back and you got J.J. Starling and a couple other freshmen coming in next year as well so good news for an Irish team that got back to the NCAA tournament this year we're going to take a timeout when we come back we will talk more Notre Dame football with Brian Driscoll from Irish Breakdown 
Com. Talk to him, get some of his thoughts on Blue Gold tomorrow, is, but both from an X and O you know, playing standpoint as well as recruiting weekend because it is a big recruiting weekend as we've talked about here this week on the show. Budweiser's weekday sports beat is brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. Tim Growl State Farm Insurance. Save money on home and auto insurance with Tim, serving both Indiana and Michigan. Call 574-232-9981. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. And the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger's a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. Brian Driscoll from irishbreakdown.com joins me next on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. And Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. It is the click clack of the keyboard with Brian Driscoll from IrishBreakdown.com. What are you working on right now? You got anything good? I just You're had cooking to, up? I had no, no. Just had to quickly uh, get something put on the message board here oh, before okay. we get started. My sincerest apologies. No, that's okay. The work I, never ends. I like the Nat sound. You know, people working in the background and all that. <laughs> kind of stuff that's that's no problem at all we're going to talk um blue gold game here in a minute i wanted to get your thoughts first we haven't had a chance to talk about this uh had you on monday and i think it was around that time monday or tuesday that uh brady quinn's nil initiative um was kind of announced i guess they launched the website this week and all that kind of stuff it is it's connected the, the, the money part of this is connected to current players um, and, like, charity, you know, kind of work that, that mm-hmm. they do. So I, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on all this. What, what, what do you think of it? I, I really like it. I think, first of all, I mean, if we're just going to talk big picture, I love the fact that, that, that people at Notre Dame, former players, and, and you know, some big kind of – you know, heavy swingers in the business world like Tom Mendoza are actually saying, hey, look, Notre Dame can't just sit back and do nothing. Yeah. We can't just sit back and do nothing if we, if, you know, if we're one, allow Notre Dame to be competitive in this new era of NIL. And, you know, look, Brady had said, you know, they started working on this in January. And part of the reason why is because they wanted to make sure that they were staying in line with the mission of Notre Dame and make sure that they f- were following the rules that the NCAA set forth, which, you know, a lot of other schools aren't doing, but Notre Dame is Notre Dame people will all, will almost always do that. Hopefully always do that. You know, and, and the other thing is I, I thought the missional aspect of it is something I really liked because what I don't like this NIL stuff where you're just handing guys paychecks basically, yeah. and they don't really have a lot to do is, is not in, within the spirit of what NIL is supposed to be about. NIL is, if you know WSBT says, "Hey, you know, so and so player, will you do a spot for us? You know, before the game, you know, we'll pay you X number of dollars. You got to come in and record this, and we'll use it. That's that's a we're going to use your name, image, and likeness to promote our brand, and you are going to receive compensation for it. That's right. how it's supposed to be. And and it's not being that. It's just, hey, we're going to hear here's this amount of money to to come play here." And it's not supposed to be that. Notre Dame is not going to do that. And so what I liked about it is, and Brady made this very clear when, when I interviewed him about it, he said, this isn't where a kid just comes, shows up at a place, shakes a couple hands and, and, and leaves and, and he gets money. Like this is meant to, you're going to engage, you're going to, you know, you're going to be a part of this. It's really trying to give back to the community. 
And it's really a twofold aspect that a lot maybe we aren't talking about enough is obviously the players are going to benefit because they're going to get paid for this. But like right now, Blake Fisher, Sean, as you know, and Logan Diggs are doing a lot in the community and mm-hmm. doing a lot to raise money and things like that already before this NIL stuff came along. But it's just their time and the awareness that they're really helping these these organizations, which is important, right? Well, now they're going to be able to help with awareness and their time with these young kids. But now they're bringing basically kind of, you know, I'm using this not directly, but like they're bringing paychecks with them, so to speak now, to hand to these people, theor- you know, figuratively speaking. Because it's not just where they're getting money. The it Part of the money is also going to whatever charity that they're working with, whatever sure. organization they're working with, which I think is great. And I think is definitely within the spirit of what Notre Dame is doing or wants to do. And for a lot of these kids, they're already doing that work. Now it just means when this starts, they're going to start getting paid for it. And I think that's huge. Right. And I mean, no doubt about it. I think it's good. And, and Notre Dame needed to take some steps to do something. And it's great that someone like Brady Quinn and, as you said, Tom Mendoza and some of these others stepped up and got this kicked off. But the other side of it, kind of some things that you've touched on, you know, like I, I think it was like the day after this came up, John Daly's son got an NIL with Hooters, you know, and he's a golf, mm-hmm. he's a golfer mm-hmm. at Arkansas, you know, and, and he's not going to have to go out and do any, you know, charity work, any of that kind of stuff, you mm-hmm. know. So, and that, and again, just, just what you said before, does, does Notre Dame need to, can they, you know, still need to find other avenues on top of, of this? This is a good start, but do they well, still they, need to do more? They already have. I think that's the thing is like, it's not like Notre Dame players last year haven't been making any money. True. They have. And I mean, I know for a fact that several, well, not like, a fact, but like this inside is what the garage told, like, podcast. Cor- and, yeah. Well, not just that, but like well, Isaiah Foskey has a example. clothing line. Right. I know that the Adam Yola's had a couple big deals. I was told recently that one of the star players on offense recently signed a, got a $40,000 signing bonus to work with a company for, you know, to do some spots and some different things like that. So these players have been getting individual deals. What this does is this is just another avenue. And, you know, if I'm a a wealthy donor and I say, hey, look, I I believe in what Blake Fisher's doing and here's this X amount of dollars that I want to give towards him and the charity and I want all to go to him, I can do that, which, you know, I wouldn't because I don't have the money nor would it be ethical for me to do that in my position, but you get the point that I'm making. So there are things going on like that that are already happening that players are getting made, you know, making money for. There's players who have signed with a, a, a company that they sign. I think it's a company, but like they sign, you know, get a bunch of Blake Fisher jerseys. Blake Fisher and Gabriel Rubio and Prince Collier are doing this this weekend where they're signing a bunch of jerseys and they, you know, those jerseys get sold. And I believe the players get a cut of that. So there's all those things that are happening. And that's what Notre Dame players are already doing. The offensive linemen got deals with Mission Barbecue and a couple other places right. last year. Notre Dame's linemen made some money last year. Right. You know, so that's what the John, that's what the Hooters deal with John Daly's kid is. And that's okay because if, you know, if you're going to promote our product on social media and, you know, maybe you're in a, a, a television ad or you tweet something out, you know, that, that people view that as advertising. That's doing something for the money, whether it's commensurate with the money they're getting is a different conversation, but you know, it, it, it is what it is. So that stuff is happening. And I do know this too, Sean, right? I've had sev- several conversations with some people that I know that are some movers and shakers in Notre Dame. And it's not going to end with Brady Quinn's thing. This is just, this is going to be like, this is their niche. Yeah. And I guess there that's what others, I meant, you know, like more like a right. collective, you know, correct. Kind of, kind of and, and I don't know if it's going to be collective so much because those have some, there are some limitations with a collective and they did have the, the thing with Mick Asif, Mac Asif. 
but there are some other former players that I've been told are working on other things that are going to go in different directions. Uh, but, you know, when it's being driven by former Notre Dame players, you can bet that there's going to be something, some sort of missional aspect to it, not just finding ways to hand kids money. I don't really think that's something you're going to see a lot of from from these companies that, that, that come up with that, that are Notre Dame player ran. They're going to they're going to be more towards, yes, we want to help you get money, but we also want to encourage you and build you up and help you understand branding and things along those lines. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that's important. And, and, yes, it's good to get money, but kids that pick Notre Dame tend to pick Notre Dame because they understand that there's more to it than just football. And I think those kids kind of understand that, yeah, hey, look, you have to go do this to get this money, but this is going to be good for you, and here's why. Because you're not just – you know, you're making this money to go speak at the, you know, the, the food bank in South Bend. But think of the branding that you're doing and the advertising you're giving yourself when people say, wow, this kid's really doing this and this and this. Let's partner with him. So some other company sees how active Blake Fisher is in the community and sees this and say, we need to get that kid on our with our product. Sure. And, and, and it goes that way as well. All right, let's talk blue gold. No Tyler Buckner, uh, more Drew Pine we're going to see. What do you need to see from Pine tomorrow? I need to see him be make good decisions. I think it's a big thing. Some things we've heard about the spring is you know he's you know, kind of been pressing a little bit and trying to force too many things and turning the ball over more than he should. Which you know I, I have a feeling Drew Pine's just one of those kids that he he's just a gamer, you know. And, and we're gonna find out Saturday a little bit about if I'm right about that. But he needs to also the one big thing is you know I know he's accurate and he's a smart kid and he's gonna make decisions, but. If Drew Pine's ever the starting quarterback, teams are basically going to say, we're going to come up, we're going to take away the quick game, we're going to take away intermediate stuff, and we're going to make you beat us down the field with your arm because we don't think you can do it. That's one thing I really want to see from Drew. Can he make some of those tougher downfield throws? Can he hit that 25-yard seam route on a on a line right over the linebacker? Can he bang a 25-yard in cut you know, in between a linebacker and safety? Can he take that post route over the top? Can he beat bang that... You know, that outside go route and drop it over a guy's outside shoulder. Can he make those throws? Those are the things that I have the biggest questions about with Drew Pine. And if he can make some of those throws, then I think that's going to allow him to kind of put himself on a position where, hey, if Tyler slips up again or if he gets hurt again or whatever the case may be, he would have then have a legitimate shot to maybe go win that job. Because right now, from all the different people I've talked to prior to this injury, it wasn't really close. Tyler had, had been the, the better quarterback all spring. I think this is clearly an opportunity for Drew to kind of say, hey, look, not so fast. I'm not done yet. Yeah, I still have a couple things I, I'm ready to show you. Which Jaden are we most likely to be talking about Monday? Jaden Thomas, Jaden Mickey? Jaden Mickey, I think so. I just uh, just because – I mean, I, I had I've a feeling that would about, be the answer. But. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've just heard more about him this spring. I think that's a position where there's – a greater need for somebody to kind of step up. I mean, if Jaden Thomas doesn't really break out this year, and he may very well do so, they're still going to be okay. They've got Joe Wilkins coming back. They've got Avery Davis coming back. They've got Styles and Colsey and, and um, uh, Braden Lindsay, and then Tobias Merriweather shows up. They have great tight ends. They really need some of these young guys to emerge a corner. And, and so, and from what we've heard about Jaden Mick, he's had a great spring talks a lot i mean he's the, the <laughs> most trash talking corner they had since kavari russell i mean you want that's, you that's, you want a corner with you, some confidence you, you and some swagger right i mean well i think i think what i had looked up sean is notre dame went like 31 and 6 or something like that during kavari whenever in games kavari russell played hmm. 31 and 5 something like that so i mean if if he can mimic 
Kavari Russell's career, I, th- I think that's pretty good, right? Yeah. That's that's a pretty decent tenure. But I, I, I just think he's the right now the better player, the guy at the more important position, and, and I think we're going to talk about him more because he's going to make himself be talked about with his play and then also how much he talks because <laughs> he likes to talk. <laughs> I'm, I'm still, and again, we haven't had a chance to talk since the draft Wednesday, the, the, the team draft, Chris Tyree was the fourth running back mm-hmm. drafted. So am I reading too much into that, the fact that he was the fourth running back drafted in that draft? He was the fourth running back drafted because he's still questionable. They're not okay. sure if he's even going to be able to play. Okay. And, they, and they knew that. There was a couple, like Tyson Ford was picked low because of, I'm, I'm told, because of similar situation. Like, they, they were told who's questionable. Like, I guess before they said, here, who's out? And... They were a list of guys that were questionable, and and those guys tended to get picked lower um, in, in the in the draft ranking. So my understanding is that's the reason that Chris Tyree was taken last. Uh, if Chris Tyree was healthy, I'm pretty sure he would have gone, gone yeah, a little bit higher than that. That's, that that makes sense. I I had not mm-hmm. heard that, so thanks for clarifying that. Uh, so Chris Tyree, a little dinged up. So that that kind of mm-hmm. that that kind of eases my mind a little bit. I mean, but still. <laughs> I mean, we're gonna see we're gonna see some good running backs yeah. out there, and you know, last year was more about you know Cone and Pine. I think they wanted them throwing more. Do you think we probably see the running backs a little bit more active in this game compared to the the one last year? I would imagine so. I think this is a this is a sort of a identity type of a, a, a identity establishing type of game, right? And, and we're talking I mean offensive line here. now. <laughs> yeah, I think Harry Heastan is just trying to, hey, look, we need to be better here. And I think Tom Reese understands we need to be better here. They don't have Tyler Buckner. They're down a bunch of receivers. I don't know if you want to be out there just chucking the ball all around in that regard. I think they need to show something. Hey, we need to we need to be able to, to do this really well. And this is a chance for us to do that against a pretty good defensive line, right? And so I think it's more about that. I, I just, I mean, I think we'll see some balance. And I, I don't think Tom Reese is going to be a guy that's going to go out there and you know, have a seven to seven to seven out of ten run to pass ratio. You know, seven to three run to pass ratio. Yeah. But I think establishing the ground game and and kind of getting over just the the lack of toughness that maybe we and physicality we saw last year is something that's very important to the coaching staff. And I think this is an opportunity to kind of put them out there and on an island in front of people and fans and all that and say, okay, now let's let's show what let's show everybody what you got. I mean, beyond he stand. I guess is there anything, anything maybe you think we might learn about the coaching staff from anything we see tomorrow? Yeah, I'm really curious to see. Look, no, no matter if if Marcus Freeman handed out Golden the playbook that said you know the Marcus Freeman playbook, uh-huh. right? Let's say that was a real thing, and he handed it to him and said, "Run this." <laughs> the reality is, is you're still going to see different wrinkles, and it's going to look different because even with the same playbook, two people with different personalities and likes and dislikes and preferences are going to execute things. that same playbook differently. Yeah. You know, so like Marcus Freeman had zone and man in his defense, just like Al Golden. Will, will he be more of a man guy? Will he be more of a zone guy? They have the same blitz packages. Will they? Which one do they like, though? I mean, there's always unique aspects. So we're going to start to see a little bit of Al Golden's DNA uh, on this defense. And I'm curious to see what it's going to look like. Is it going to be more four down? Is it going to be a mix between three and four? Are they going to be more man, more zone? And none of that's going to tell us definitively what they're going to do in the fall. But it's at least a little glimpse into, okay, what does an Al Golden defense look like? Because I haven't seen one of these since 2005. So yeah. I'm curious to Very see what true. this one looks like. Very true. 
Well, and you've been talking for a while now about what an important month April is for recruiting as well. Tons of recruits coming oh, yeah. in this weekend. Do you think that you know maybe we see some commitments in the near future after this weekend? Well, I feel I feel pretty comfortable that there's going to be at least one public commitment this weekend, okay. and and we'll find that out. I think if if there are other like we were talking about this today in our show, like you know, hey, could this visit result in so and so committing? And I'm like, maybe, but it won't be public, right? Like if a if a kid like and I'm just throwing out names of guys that like Notre Dame a lot of Monroe Freeling and Austin Saraveld, a couple offensive linemen, you know, players like that. If they come and they're like, man, this is just the place for me. They're most likely going to, if they were to commit, it would be silent because they want to go home and talk about their parents. They may still have visits they want to take, things like that. So uh -huh. I don't really count those as commitments, you know, really, because if you're not ready to stop being recruited and take visits, I mean, your commitment is only so, you know, so firm, in my opinion, especially if it's a silent commitment. So I wouldn't put a lot of stock in that. I do think they'll get at least one commitment this weekend that'll be okay. public okay and it's going to be a good one and i'm excited about Ooh. it and then i do believe there's a there's a good chance that they could get another one by monday which i'm sure you and i'll talk about monday evening when we okay. talk around this all same right time. sounds good sounds good looking forward to it brian driscoll irishbreakdown.com what else is going on heading into blue gold weekend I mean, you really named it. It's just recruiting. I mean, it's <laughs> recruiting. It's it's what is this team going to be? I just think because we've had so little access to the team this spring that a lot of even the you know media people was always like, hey, what what does this team really look like? You know, what kind of attitude are they going to play with and those type of things? So we we ask a lot of those questions on our site, and of course, there's tons of recruiting updates and lots of kids uh, that are going to be on campus. And you're definitely going to stay tuned to IrishBreakdown.com because any news that is out there. I just got done writing a, a writing writing. I just got done writing a story about a recruit that I think is going to be no no going to be kind of newsworthy some point in time tomorrow. So you're going to want to stay locked in. Okay. That. All right. Sounds good. Good tease. Thanks, Brian. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you Monday. Same to you. He was just in a writing. <laughs> hey, English. Vent words over here, Sean. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. We all we all don't talk so good. <laughs> so it's been it's been one of those weeks, man. It's That's been right. one of those weeks. It happens. What thanks, can you do? Thanks for having me on. Okay, Sean. take care. Jim Arizari is going to join us next. That's Brian Driscoll, IrishBreakdown.com. Jim's got five sports wagers for your weekend coming up next on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. This is the My Five Question of the Day. Can you dig it? On Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Jim Irizarian on this Friday once again to give us five sports wagering picks for this weekend. How are you today, Mr. Irizarian? It always helps if I turn on the, uh, <laughs> if I push the on button. So you said something. I have no idea what you said. Let's just get uh, into your wager since yeah. you're you're on now. I'm fine, by the way. Okay, Thank good. Uh, Glad to hear. I know everyone, you know, maybe thought you were dead there for a second since they didn't actually hear you say I'm fine. Well, but, you know, I, I mean, you know, some people, you know, may actually be wishing for that at some point. So who knows? You never know. You never know. Yeah. All right. What's your number five pick for the weekend? I'm interested to see what you got for us this weekend. All right, let's go NBA playoffs for the first couple. Okay. Uh, Milwaukee at Chicago. That tips at 8.30 tonight. Milwaukee a, a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road tonight. Bucks know that they could easily be down 0-2 in this series, too. Uh, mm -hmm. Bulls just 
kind of flipped a gear, really, about halfway through the halfway through uh, game one, made that a game, and then uh, you know, obviously winning game two. Uh, look for the road element to wake up the Bucks, though. Even minus Chris Middleton, Mike Bo- uh, Mike Budenholzer, he showed that he's capable of making adjust- adjustments, especially after the first two games of a series. So I like the Bucks here, minus two and a half. All right, Bucks minus two and a half against the Bulls tonight. What's your number four wager? Uh, Philly at Toronto. That's at two o'clock tomorrow. Uh, Toronto probably should have won Game Three. Missed a bunch of free throws though, and of course Joel Embiid made that shot at the end. Uh, 76ers had been one and 21 in their playoff history when trailing by at least 10 points in a road playoff game entering the second quarter, as they did on Wednesday. Mm. Huh. Beat Man. the odds there, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it sounds as if uh, stellar rookie Scotty Barnes he's going to be he's going to make it back for Saturday for Toronto, and plus it's just an easy letdown spot for Philly. It knows the series is over; it could just end it at home in Game Five. Uh, so I like Toronto plus three here. Okay. All right. So a couple of NBA playoff wagers. What's at number three? Got a uh, straight up Major League Baseball play here: Milwaukee at Philadelphia Phillies. Probably going to have their best possible lineup for the first time this season. Odubel Herrera, he's activated off the injured list. He makes a season debut tonight. I'm not saying he's you know this amazing talent, but he hit 260 with 13 homers and 51 RBIs in 124 games last year. Yeah. And he's got a good glove. So yeah. the Phillies are just a different team at home, too. And also Brewers pitcher Freddie Peralta, he hasn't been sharp in his two starts this year either. Uh, and Milwaukee is 1-7 uh, and seven in its past eight versus a lefty. Oh, wow. Philly's got Ranger Suarez going tonight, southpaw. All right. So I like Philadelphia straight up. Suarez the stopper. I mean, Philly's a good offensive team. Defense is their biggest thing right now. Yeah. All right, what's number two? Uh, Going to go with a prop bet here out of Major League Baseball. Toronto at Houston at 8-10 tonight. Justin Verlander starting for Houston. He is dominating he struck out seven and eight in his first two games, respectively. If he's got seven and eight Ks in his two starts, you know, why should anyone fade him? Yeah. Because in his one start with eight Ks, he did go eight full innings, but that's not going to be the case against Toronto. The Blue Jays <laughs> haven't allowed a single pitcher to throw for seven or more Ks, so Verlander could set the record against them this year so far. Still, I'm cashing the under here. Uh, there's a reason why a lot of books have it at six and a half. Verlander's got a great history against Toronto, but it doesn't mean it's going to translate into strikeouts. And again, uh, Vladdy Jr., Bo Bichette, George Springer, Chapman, you know. It's a lineup. It's a lineup. It's a lineup. It could get a lot of ground balls, don't get me wrong, but strikeouts, I think, are going to be a little bit harder to come by. So I like yeah. Justin Verlander under seven and a half strikeouts. Today. Okay. All right, sounds good. So that's that's an interesting one. I'll have to look that one up here in just a second. All right, and your number one wager for the weekend is what? All right, Baltimore at the Angels. Late game tonight, 938. Another prop bet for you here. Reed Detmers, all right, he's pitching for the Angels tonight. He's a guy who struck out 16 in a double-A game last June. Oof. It's the fourth time he had rung up 10-plus in a game. He doesn't play around. Now, sure, okay, 16 in a double-A game. Whatever. We just need six tonight, all right? <laughs> we just need six. That's right. Uh, 
and the only reason he didn't get six the last time he pitched was he got shelled by the Texas Rangers, and they're just awesome against lefties this season. So, you know, what do you expect is going to happen? They've got Baltimore tonight. We're talking about the Baltimore Orioles here, all right? The Baltimore Orioles are 21st in OPS against left-handed pitchers on the season, and more importantly, no team in Major League Baseball has struck out more against lefties than the Baltimore Orioles. Mm. So I like Reed Detmers, six-plus strikeouts. All right. Some good ones there, and uh, a little bit uh, different stuff that uh, Jim was, was bringing your way tonight got some nba wagers got some baseball wagers for you this is kind of the this this first round of the playoffs i love because there's games on all the time there's all you know like if you're into just throwing down a wager there's always something you can find i have i've frustrated myself because i (laughs) bear i just missed on a couple of same game parlays so close on a couple of them earlier this week so i've been stung a little bit so i'm looking for the right one to find right now so yeah, it's, I think uh, the uh, I think the Bulls game is on ABC tonight, and the other two games tonight are on ESPN. As okay. Far as the uh, NBA playoffs go. So all right, sounds good. Jim Irizarry with his five sports wagers for you for the weekend. Have a great weekend, Jim. I will talk to you later. You do the same, sir. All right, I will. We'll take a timeout and we come back. Sports Center update, and Vince D'Addario will join me for rapid fire in the six o'clock hour coming up on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Listening to Budweiser's weekday sports beat with Sean Styers on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Who wants to have some fun? Rapid Fire starts now on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. And now your host, Sean Styers. Along with Vince D'Addario tonight, Rapid Fire coming at you on this Friday. As of right now, things looking good out at Four Winds Field for an on-time start. So Vince and I will be done again as long as everything stays to the north of us, which is uh, where all the elements have been. And not even, well... I was I pulled up the radar and it's like it's clear right now. I know there's something out there, but it's for some reason it's not showing up on my app. But anyway, we won't talk about weather. Let's just talk about football. What do you think about that? <laughs> that sounds good to me. I, I, I'm a little north of you, and it's not raining on me yet. So okay, your fingers crossed. That's good news. That's good news. So uh, yeah, we've got about. Thirty minutes total, I guess, uh, to uh, right. to get all this in with some commercial breaks in a commercial break anyway in between. Uh, so, even the blue gold game, blue gold game tomorrow. What's the top thing you need to see on each side of the ball in the game tomorrow? Well, for me, uh, and I think this probably goes without saying, but without Tyler Butner being in the game, I think the default answer is the offensive line, and you anticipate that they're going to make some assignment mistakes and things like that. That's not what I'm concerned about at all. I want to see them fire off the ball. I want to see a little bit of nasty Mm -hmm. back with the offensive line because they've been missing that over the last few years uh, with the exception of 2020, but we all know why that was. So I I want to see the offensive line and kind of a change of attitude. That's really what I want to see on the offensive side. Yep, and then the defensive side, I, I'm going to have my eyes on the secondary, to be honest with you. Um, Cam Hart is by far the number one corner, and he's not going to play. So who's going to step up? You know, somebody needs to step up if this defense is going to go from really good to elite. 
and I think that starts at the cornerback position. And on top of that, I want to see some Brandon Joseph. That dude can fly around the football field. And yeah. it's a little bit that I saw practice. This kid's going to be special. And I want to see some of that on Saturday as well. So kind of the whole secondary and the offensive line. Yeah, I'll double down with the offensive line. I don't need to go into more detail because you covered it all there. You know, I, I think that that is probably, as you said, with no Tyler Buckner, the biggest thing. You know, I do kind of want to see – is Drew Pine a little bit more accurate? You know, he only played in two games last year, but he was a 50% passer. He was like 48% in the Blue Gold game last year. So can he bring that up? You know, what does it look like? I think it's a it's an opportunity to kind of show what he can do. But even more than that, like the two sophomore receivers, Colsey and Jaden Thomas, I really want to see them kind of bring something tomorrow you know even if that doesn't necessarily mean you know they're the, the ball doesn't necessarily have to be thrown their way but it is the 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 twist in this blue gold game and I mentioned this in in the first hour is the fact that because there is no Tyler Buckner Drew Pine is going to be working with all the skill position guy you know he's going to be working with everybody offensively so he'll get a chance you know to potentially throw to everybody and you know so there's there's really no excuse for either him or these receivers if they get the ball thrown their way. So I want to see those two sophomores see if they can kind of step up a little bit tomorrow. I like that. Yeah. Um, defensively, I, I agree. It's the secondary is the biggest thing. I think Brandon Joseph, we kind of know what he can do, but I am interested to see it you know, in person live right. for the first time. And then Jaden Mickey – the corner, he's been, uh, you know, he, he he posted on his Instagram today an interception that he made. It was a, a short pick six, picking off Drew Pine in practice. I'm really curious to see what he looks like out there tomorrow. I've already got my eye on number 21 because of, you know, some of the stuff that you were talking about. So that's kind of, that's that's my two sides of the ball for tomorrow. Love it. Love it. All right. What do you think? You know, we were just talking off the air. What do you think of the fact that Notre Dame men's basketball made the entire team the MVP at the team awards yesterday? You know, when I got that news, I was sitting next to my 15 year old son. Uh, <laughs> and when I, I heard, I, it's when you got it, right? During your Sports Center update, and we uh, both looked at each other like, are you kidding me? I mean, if that is not the definition of everybody gets a medal, then I don't know what is. Yeah. Like, what what are we doing? I, I, I'm sorry. I was uh, not impressed with that particular decision. If you can't decide who to – if you don't want to give it to a freshman because you think you're going to hurt the feelings of the seniors or whatever, then don't give the don't award Don't give out. the award out. Come up, yeah. Come up with a different award. You know what I mean? Like, come up with the Irish Eyes Award or, I don't know, make something up. But don't give everybody the M- – Give me a break. That that one was hard to swallow. The rest of it, the leadership award, rookie of the year. Okay, those are all great. Yeah. Don't give it to the MVP. It's literally yeah. called most valuable player. That is impossible to be everybody. Yeah, and it's 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 obvious who the MVP was. And you know, like you said, if you don't want to do that, come up with another, you know, another award, you know, whether it's like the team award, you know, like the team team guy award or you know whatever you know like the you know the you know what I mean like the team player on the team you know that kind of thing if I don't know it, it just it's, I would say I would say literally anything else yes would have been better yes 
it's 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 big boy ACC basketball. It's you can't right. you can't give the entire team the the award. No, I'm sorry. Okay, the NCAA made a tweak to its targeting rule yesterday, Vince. Schools are now going to be able to appeal second half targeting penalties to determine if the player who committed the foul will be forced to sit out the first half of the team's next game. So do you buy or sell the change to the rule? You know, I buy it. I think it's a step in the right direction. I think that you'd be able to review most of these targeting calls, um, know that they go to the booth for confirmation on targeting and all of that stuff. Like The, the whole rule needs to be tweaked, to be honest with you. Yes. But this is a step in the right direction to – you know, if kid gets called for targeting five minutes into the third quarter, then he also has to sit the first half of the next game. I think it's a little bit ridiculous. Um, and so I, it's a step in the right direction. I don't think it's a complete fix yet, but they're getting there. Yeah, I agree with I agree with that. It's a step in the right direction, but we're also talking about the NCAA. So you're going to appeal to the NCAA, and now you've got to be confident that they're going to make it a, a timely decision on this. And and that they're not just going to rubber stamp what was called on the field and what officials looked at in the replay and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, because like if you if you get called for targeting, you have to essentially sit out a full game. Like if you if you if it's targeting in the first half, you don't get a you know like an appeal at halftime. You've got to sit out the second half. But if you're called for targeting in the second half, then you do have to get you know sit out the first half of the next game. Bottom line, I think what you're saying, and I, you know, what what I'm saying is, I don't understand why it's an ejection. You know, it's right. It it it, it needs to be. If you get called for targeting, it's a 15 yard penalty for the first time. If you get called for targeting a second time at a game, then I think it should be an, an ejection. I think right. it's too much yes. to be ejecting guys who you're essentially. You know, trying to you know teach how to play football. You know, still a lot of these guys still. It is college football. You know, so I, I think that there needs to be a little bit more wiggle room. If you get called the first time, it shouldn't be an automatic ejection. It should, un, unless they determine, you, you, unless it's a late hit and a targeting. You know, that kind of thing, or it's like obvious right, spear. Right. You know, spearing those kind of things. You know, if it's one of these. You know, where it's a glance off the head and you've got to go back and review it and all yes. these different things. It should just be a 15-yard penalty. If you do it again a second time in the game, then it's an ejection. It shouldn't be that hard, but it's the NCAA, so it is. Yeah, exactly. I, I just feel like there's too many times kids are getting ejected for an accidental hit. Like right. something that they clearly didn't even mean to do, but by the letter of the rule, it's targeting, so you got to kick them out of the game. It's, just, it's nonsense. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, again, as you said, I think this is a step in the right direction because they're at least, you know, maybe leading to changing the rule at some point. I don't know if they ever will, but it's it's a step in the right direction. I'll agree with that. Fill in the blank. Another thing that uh, the NCAA addressed, the so-called Kenny Pickett rule has also been greenlit. <laughs> where any ball carrier who fakes a feet-first slide will be considered down at the spot. Kenny Pickett, the former Pittsburgh quarterback, famously ran for a 58-yard touchdown in the first half of the ACC championship game after faking a slide, and that's why they've changed this rule, and this new rule is blank. I think it's a good rule. 
Um, I, I like it because there's so much emphasis on not hitting the quarterback and not, you know, let's see, when they go into that slide, you got to back off completely. And defenders now are basically ingrained and taught that if they're going to go into that slide, you you got to stop. And so if you're allowed to fake slide, that's that. I'm sorry, that's not fair. That's taking advantage of the rules. So I think this is a good call. I give Kenny Pickett all the credit in the world for doing it because it wasn't against the rules. And, hey, man, play the rules that are given to you. But from a defender standpoint, I I like this rule a lot. And I, it's just they're they're not gonna hit a guy when he starts to slide because if they do, they're gonna get kicked out of the game. We just got done talking about it, so I like the rule. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I'm just surprised that you know again in typical NCAA fashion, they act quickly on something like this. A guy makes a you know a highlight play where he fakes a slide. Right. It's like, and it's like, how has nobody ever done this before? How has this never happened before? How is like Kenny Pickett the first guy who ever faked a slide and then kept on running and ran for right. a touchdown? It was a great athletic play. And, you know, I, I do agree sort of with the line of thinking that you're talking about because it is a quarterback. He's already protected. And, you know, so, you know, like guys. Guys already have to be aware, you know, kind of what we were just talking about with targeting, hitting a quarterback late, all these different things. So I guess I get why they're, you know, why they've done it. But I mean, to me, it was still just a great heads up play by Kenny Pickett because, you know, it's yeah. not like, you know, it's like, it's like, oh, I'm going to fake a slide and now I'm going to keep going. You know, to me, it was a great play. And so now we're going to, you know, legislate that and take it out. But, you know, I, I've got. I guess I don't ultimately have any problem with the spirit of the change of the rule and doing this because of the things that you talked about. But at the same time, it's like, this is what they move on so quickly. You know, that's, right. that's what surprises me, right. but there's no rules for NIL. So yeah, you know, exactly. Exactly. Well, <laughs> because they, you know, they, they turn themselves around on that is what that, that's all about. But mm -hmm. all right. Look, look, if that, if they didn't change the rule and I was a quarterback coach in college football, uh, we would have a drill where we would practice a fake slide because I think it's a genius move and you're going to fake out every defender possible. And if you don't fake them out and you actually do slide, they're going to get ejected from the game. Yeah, like, that's true. Win-win from an offensive standpoint. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take a timeout. He's Vince D'Addario. I'm Sean Styers. We've got more rapid fire coming up next. I have just been informed they have put the tarp on the field at Four Winds Field, uh -oh. which is not a good sign, but I've also been informed it is not currently raining at Four Winds Field. So I have to look at the radar and see if rain is supposed to be coming in or what exactly is going on because Vince and I have to figure out how long we're talking tonight. <laughs> so we'll do that in just a minute as Budweiser's weekday sports beat and rapid fire continue on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat and rapid fire continue on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Been communicating with Brendan King out at Four Winds Field during the break, and the tarp is on the field. And I saw the radar, and it is not looking good now. But uh, yeah, so they are—they're not anticipating an on-time start today. It looks like 
it's going to start raining literally right when the South Bend Cubs pregame show is supposed to start tonight. So um, it's looking like they're probably going to have to sit through a rain delay for a while, but we'll keep you updated and let you know if we uh, see or hear anything different. But in the meantime, Vince and I are here for you. He's farther north, yeah, and it's already starting to rain on him where he is. So, got yep, that going I'm sitting for in him. the car, and it is uh, it is raining. You know, not heavy, but just raining. You know, yeah, it's annoyingly. starting. It's starting. All right, so Bobby and I talked about this one a little bit last night, but I want to get your take on it because you interviewed Daniel Rudy Rudiger during the football season. Of course, the movie Rudy was based on. Uh, his experience going to Notre Dame, um, you know, walk on with the football team and all that. Los Angeles Lakers legend Jerry West is mad about how he's being depicted in HBO's Winning Time series about the L.A. Lakers. Based on the story of the rise of the Showtime Lakers after Magic Johnson was drafted in 1979. So, do you have a problem with Hollywood taking liberties with fact and fiction in shows that are based on real-life people, Vince? Well, you and I have had this conversation about the movie, Rudy, right? right. I mean, um, we, I mean, we've talked about this. You and Bobby both, and I podcasted about it in the past. We did. Yes. We did, and we both uh, also talked about the fact that you know, part of, parts of Rudy are are embellished because it's a movie, right? And, right? and Rudy will come right out and tell you, like, they killed his best friend differently. They never mentioned that he went to the Navy. I right. mean, just a million different things, right? As, as far as – and I understand where, you know, Jerry West is coming from. I get it because it doesn't paint him in the best light right? Uh, based on everything that I've heard. But at the same time, like, dude, you're a public figure – it's probably not always going to go the way you want it to. And this is a made-for-TV situation. This is not a documentary. Right. And I don't think it's meant to be a documentary. If it if it was a documentary, it wouldn't have the guy from Step Brothers in it. Okay? <laughs> so, but he's doing a good job. John C. Riley. he's doing a great yeah. job Look, as the lead in that series. But you're let right. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I, love, I love me some John C. Riley. okay? I, I think he's a, a really, really good actor. He is. And I don't think he gets enough credit. He might win an Emmy for this. Stuff. I would not be surprised right. if he wins an Emmy for this role. I, I, I think he was really good in Chicago. I mean, he was a, he's staying in it. Like, I, I think this dude's got some talent. Yeah. But the point still stands. It's not a documentary, right? Exactly. Uh, it's supposed to be entertaining, and it is very entertaining. Otherwise, people wouldn't be talking about it. So, look, Jerry, just relax. It's okay. Uh, there are kids watching, not kids, but like young adults <laughs> watching this. They probably had no idea who you were, and so they watched this. And so you're kind of getting your name back out there. So congratulations. Relax. It'll be okay. Yeah, I mean, the thing about based on, you know, real life movies, TV series, whatever, you nailed it, and, and I've said it all along. These are not documentaries. In a documentary, right. you do have to be <laughs> much more factual because it's a documentary. Sure. The real people are actually in a documentary. This is based on real people and based on real events. And I don't care what movie you watch. If it is based on real life, there is always going to be something you know, even though the names might be true or whatever, there's going to be there, there's always going to be something that is added to it 
to make it more palatable and more attractive as as an entertainment product. You want people to watch this so that you know so they right. they're always going to change things to spice things up because again, it is based on a real story. It is not a documentary. It you know like have you seen the movie Argo, for example? I have not. I'm surprised you haven't because it, you know, you're like a history guy. Argo, Ben Affleck, uh, you know, Ben Affleck, and it is it, it is based on the story of how Hollywood actually uh, helped and the CIA helped bring home uh, some of the hostages from Iran, you know, back like in the late oh. 70s and early 80s. Yep. I think you would actually right really like board. it. Right. Well, yeah. What like one of the one of the, the the you know and I hate to spoil this for like for people who have seen Argo but like one of the big um scenes in that movie is there's like this big standoff at the airport you know like this this CIA guy is like getting this group of hostages through the airport getting them onto this plane and then you know take off to get out of Iran. Well there's this big thing about how you know, the, you know, like the security and the army and all these people are like trying to chase them and run down the airplane because they, you know, like as, as they're getting on the plane, they finally discover who they are and all this stuff. Well, guess what? That never really happened. You know, and it's like one, it's like one of the most, you know, dramatic scenes in the whole thing, but it never really happened that way. And, you know, and it's also a movie about how the American CIA did all this stuff and the American government did all this stuff to get them out. Well, actually... The Canadian government was much more involved than the movie depicts. So again, it's it's like, you know, did did this CIA agent get these hostages out of Iran? Yeah. Did it happen exactly the way the movie depicts? No. Because what? It's not a documentary. It is based right. on real events and Hollywood will always dramatize. So, you know what what makes it what makes it more hard or, or, you know, harder, I guess, or, you know, I, I, I think maybe for some people to take is like these Lakers like Jerry West, Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, Pat Riley, all the, you know, these are like real iconic sports figures, you know. So I think it gets harder for people kind of to take that because they're people that we know very well. But as you said, you know, Jerry West is a public figure. If you're a public figure, it's one of the things that you got to live with. You know, he he had to have signed some kind of release, you know, to let them use his name, image, and likeness. You know, oh, good point. <laughs> in this movie, so or you know, in this this TV series, so you know, I, it it is what it is. You know, Dan Devine wasn't happy with how he was depicted either, but everyone still loves the movie Rudy, right? So, or a lot of people still love the movie Rudy. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, you know, and that's one of the things that 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 people who knock the movie Rudy the most, you know, they want to pick apart. Well, this didn't happen. This did happen. Well, Rudy Rudiger really walked on at Notre Dame. He really, you know, had a sack right. at the end of the Georgia Tech game. All those things. There were other things along the way that were changed to make it a more interesting story. And that's just that's what always happens because it's not a documentary. So somebody somebody tweeted out. It says. The thing is, the Jerry West portrayal in Winning Time would absolutely be the guy to demand a retraction and apology over this series. <laughs> like, I, I'm sorry, but everything that Jerry West has said, like now about the series, is pretty much tells me he was that guy. I, I you know, <laughs> but either way, it's, it's okay, man. Just but you know what? 
all he's doing is drawing more interest, I think, in yeah. the show as well by, you know, by coming Absolutely. out and being this vehement against it. That's all he's doing is 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 making people want to watch it more. So and I'll tell you what, like it's been on for a little while. Like I remember flipping around over spring break when I was on vacation and seeing it because they had HBO in the hotel room. Right. And I wasn't hearing anything about it until this Jerry West stuff came out. Now it's everywhere. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of that has to do with Jerry West. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, it's like the, it's the, the old, any publicity is good publicity. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of what it comes down to. I think right now with this whole thing. Exactly. Okay, next question. With the Tigers leading the Yankees 3-0 in the eighth inning yesterday in Detroit, the Yankees intentionally walked Miguel Cabrera. Cabrera needed a hit to reach 3,000 for his career. The walk loaded the bases, set up a lefty-lefty matchup. The Yankees got out of the inning. So, do you have any this – is, this has kind of become a big controversy, and I'm a little bit surprised, but do you have any problem with Aaron Boone and the Yankees issuing the free pass to Cabrera in that situation? Zero. I have zero problem with that. I Look, the Yankees are trying to win a game, and that's not their problem that Miguel Cabrera is one hit away from 3,000 hits. Exactly. It's April. It's April. He'll get it, but he doesn't need to be today. You know, I mean, I, I have no problem with that because this is called baseball strategy, and guess what? It worked. They yeah. were able to get out of the jam. And Cabrera lives to see another day anyway, and he probably will get a hit today. Like, it's okay. You know, I have zero, zero problem. The problem I have is with people complaining about this. They, they clearly just want, you know, the, the 3,000 hits, you know, excited, probably just the people that were in the stadium. They're the ones complaining about it because right. they didn't get to see it. Like, get over it. This is baseball. You play to win, and the gamble paid off for the Yankees. No problem whatsoever. This is like I saw Stephen A. Smith, and I don't usually watch uh, that show, but um, there was a limited because the Cubs were were uh, they the Chicago Cubs pushed their game time back today. Right. You know there was less on MLB Network. It was like I was watching the same loop of things on NFL Network, so I flipped it over to first take, and he's like, "This is what's wrong with baseball, and this is why people don't watch baseball in this country what? anymore because the NBA and the NFL wouldn't do this." Are you telling me that you don't intentionally foul a player? You know, like hack a shack was that not a thing? So like you're literally taking the ball out of Shaquille O'Neal's hands by fouling him and putting it at the free throw line. That's strategy. Are you telling me at the end of a football game like that you're not going to potentially double cover Jerry Rice to try to keep the ball out of his hands? Or if you've got the lead, you're not going to kneel on the ball? It's like are you obligated to keep running plays at the end of the game just because there's time on the clock? How is any or, of that? Yeah, or because there's somebody needs a somebody needs to have a record set right. against you. Right. It's not even for your team. It's against you. Right. Aaron Boone is under no obligation to challenge Miguel Cabrera with a pitch just because he's sitting on twenty nine ninety nine. You know, it's like he did what he needed to do to win a game. It, it doesn't matter if he has one hit or two thousand nine hundred and ninety nine hits. He did the he he did the right thing, and I think as you said. Miguel Cabrera is going to have other chances. It's not like this was his only chance right. to get his 3,000th hit. He's still got a full season ahead of him. He's, exactly. He's it's going painful. to get his 3,000th hit. 
it's it just wasn't going to be yesterday. And I just I don't understand why anyone would have a problem with this because again, it's a three nothing game. He represents the tying run with two men on base. You know, if if the pitcher makes a mistake, Miguel De Cabrera deposits it. It's a it's a tie game in the eighth inning. You know, and again, this right. also wasn't. It's not like this was the second inning. You know, they pitched to him in other circumstances earlier in the game, and he didn't get a hit in any of those circumstances. It's like, right? It's it's not on Aaron Boone to to serve something up and and give Cabrera a chance. You know, so I've got no problem with it either. Another baseball topic. Pitch clocks have shaved an average of 20 minutes off minor league games so far this season. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how much does that fire you up for what it could mean for major league baseball games? This is a tough one for me. I I don't like the manufactured ways to speed up the game, to be perfectly honest with you, but I am a fan of a pitcher just getting down and getting to work. I I I can't stand the lollygagging around on the mound to begin with, and it right. has nothing to do with the length of the game. It just has to do with the pace of play, I guess, is the best way to put it. Like, And I don't like a batter to, to step out of the box every single pitch. You know what I mean? I, I do like the game to be – the pace of play to be a little fast. If the game lasts longer than the game lasts longer, I have no problem with that. Right. So if it takes a generic pitch count or, you know, a pitch clock, I guess to make that happen, then I guess I'm fine with it. And I would probably notice it the first season that it happens. And then I would probably not pay a whole lot of attention to it, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I would enjoy the pace of play being picked up a little bit. Yeah. To me, the actual pace of play is not the issue. The, to me, the only time it comes into play, the pace of play, is once they get into the postseason, like the League Championship Series and the World Series, and they're starting these games at 8 or 8.30 yeah, at night, yeah. and then you're talking about three-and-a-half to four-hour-plus games. That's when it comes into play more for me. You know, is, you know, then, yeah, you want a little bit you know, quicker game. During the regular season, especially if I'm at a game, I don't want the game to go quick. You know, I want to get my money's worth, and I want to sit there, and I want to eat my hot dog, and I want to drink my beer, and I want to do my thing, and I want to enjoy. I, I, literally, right. I want the game to last as long as possible. I don't want yeah. it to be over Good quickly point. if I'm at the game. You know, uh, these pitch clocks, by the way, it's 14 seconds that the pitchers have with the bases empty, 18 seconds with at least one runner on base. And uh, pitchers who are not into their delivery when the clock expires are given an automatic ball. Hitters who are not ready when the clock runs out, it's an automatic strike. I, I just, especially, again, during the regular season, I don't see pace of play as an issue, even like for TV. Right. Because if I'm watching a game on TV, I'm, I'm really, I'm flipping around most of the time anyway. I'm tuning in, sure. I'm tuning out. I'm yeah, not you're a surfer. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You got that right. I'm not locked into a regular season game, you know, the way the way I am a postseason game. And again, I, I do kind of I do want postseason games picked up. So if maybe, you know, if you're shaving 20 minutes off it now, that means you're going to be affecting those postseason games as well. So like for that, uh, you know, I'm I'm in with it. I, I it's I, I do agree that like bringing in these artificial things to, to move it along. But sometimes you have to because there are just so many guys who, what you were describing, who could be human rain delays out there with the yeah. time they take between pitches. There really are, and it's frustrating. It, I I can't stand it as a coach, and I, I can't stand it as as a 
somebody watching it on TV or a fan either. I, I just like, come on, man, just let's go. Let's yep. go. Yep. So we were supposed to be starting South Bend Cubs baseball right now. Um, and even though it is not an official rain delay <laughs> yet, um, Brendan has told me he's, he's been texting me. It's not an official delay, but they're not starting on time over there tonight. They do still have the tarp on the field at four winds field. Give me a second here. I'm going to pull up my, yep. So I just pulled up the radar and as we speak, South Bend is about to be uh, bore down upon <laughs> by a big front yeah. that is coming through. And uh, I tell you what, Brendan is standing by over at Four Winds Field. So I'll give you a chance to catch your breath here a little bit, Vince, and we'll get the official word okay. what's going on from Brendan over there at Four Winds Field, okay? So, Brendan, are you with us right now? What's up, Sean? Hey, how you doing? What's up, man? I'm with you. <laughs> Good. Yeah, so I was just, as I got your text, I pulled up the radar over there. And even though it's not, it, maybe it's sprinkling a little bit over there at Four Winds Field. I don't know. What, just tell me what it's doing right yeah, now. Yeah, some, really just some gentle rain right now, Sean. But the tarp was placed on the field, as you alluded to, oh, about 10, 12 minutes ago. I think, as you just said, the radar is showing some cell may pop up. We don't know for sure. I can tell you, Sean, that the organization and both clubs anticipate playing this game. Um, it's just a matter of, as you know, Sean, getting the tarp off the field, right. manicuring the field, getting it ready for game play, which takes a little bit of time. So sure. I can tell you that's in, it's anticipated that we're playing ball tonight. Okay. So the game will take place. But, again, I'm looking at the radar and, like, the thicker stuff is up into Michigan. South Bend, it's it's like the front is a little bit thinner. So, like, I can't tell you, obviously, how quickly it's going to go through. But it looks like it should maybe pass, you know, like within the next hour or so. So maybe things – we don't have an official time. It'll be delayed a little bit. But it's looking – now, and I'm actually watching the radar, and there was just a movement in the radar. It looks like it's kind of – we. again, I'm not a weather man <laughs> – but I'm just telling you what I'm seeing on the radar. Like the heavier stuff, it's almost like it's starting to, you know, like South Bend is the line mm. and it's starting to pull up north, you know, just as it kind of the edge of this front glances and kind of brings a little bit of sprinkles down on South, you know, so maybe we get lucky. But uh, as Brendan said, he's sitting out at the ballpark. We're going to be delayed for at least a little bit, um, but the game will be played. It's looking like, after this front kind of goes through, we should be uh, we should be clear for a while. So, well, that's good. I, I agree with you, Sean, and I can anticipate that if WSBT ever has a meteorology opening, neither you or I will be getting the job. We that is not our strong suit, but <laughs> yes, we are hoping right. to play. We, we are that's we, right. We are anticipating playing baseball tonight, and it should be a good game. Cole Franklin on the mound for the South Bend Cubs, and uh, another anticipated home start for him. Top ten Cubs prospect, so hopefully he all can right. take them out tonight. All right, all right, good stuff. And the Chicago Cubs were already delayed earlier today, and uh, they're supposed to start here, I think, within about an hour or so. And let me look back. And the, and the radar over there is looking really good on the north side right now. So, all right, thank you very much, Brendan. Look forward to it. Have a good call tonight, you and Max, and I'll talk to you later. Thanks, Sean. All right, absolutely. Brendan King out at Four Winds Field. And now Vince D'Addario is back, if Vince is there. I'm here, sir. 
Now that you uh, you got the full weather report there from Brendan King at and <laughs> my well, radar report here in the studio. Well, it's definitely different uh, here uh, where I'm at in Edwardsburg because it's raining pretty hard and the drops are fat. Like it's that big, fat, heavy rain. Ooh, okay. Um, so yeah, it's a little different up here. Yeah. See, and as you know, like I'm only sitting like less than five minutes from Four Winds Field in our studios here downtown but i don't have windows where i can actually see anything from where i'm sitting <laughs> right. so i have no idea what it's doing outside right so. yeah exactly it's the fun of being in the studio yep all right i got a couple more rapid fire questions here to get in before we wrap things up here in uh in a few minutes oregon's cave thibodeau is one of the top rated edge rushers in this year's nfl draft Here's a quote from him, quote, there's nothing a coach could tell me that I don't already know, end quote. So, Vince, do you like the self-confidence, or would he be a hard pass for you? Uh, that's a huge red flag for me, <laughs> um, and a gigantic hard pass. I Look, I like his talent better than I do Aiden Hutchinson. I think he is the better prospect, to be honest with you. Yeah. But I guess if you're going to take the whole picture – uh, it appears that Aiden Hutchinson has a better head on his shoulders, especially based on this particular quote. Right. Um, he's probably coachable and all of those things that coaches enjoy. So if this is the knock, I guess, on Kayvon, then I get it. I wouldn't want to work with him either, to be honest with you. Um, but I, I, it, it's, it's a huge red flag for me as an organization and as a coach because he doesn't sound like a team player. He doesn't sound like he wants to be coached. I have a problem with that if I'm going to be forking over millions of dollars to this guy. Yeah, I'd be really curious to see because, you know, he did some interviews and he said that, you know, and he was talking about he's the best guy, in, you know, in the draft. And, and, again, there's nothing a coach could tell me I don't already know. It's like, well, okay, you're a great college player, but there is a bit of a difference when you make that jump to the yeah. NFL. So I think that they're like – it. it you know, if, if Bill Belichick drafted him, I, 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 I think that Bill Belichick could probably impart some wisdom on him. There's probably some things Bill Belichick knows that, that, that Kayvon Thibodeau doesn't know. That's right. And it would just – it is. It's like he's obviously a very talented player, but just look at all these guys who are under contract right now who are demanding trades, you know, want – you know, out of their contracts, all this different – all these different things, and are, are, it's just there's enough of this going around. There's enough diva behavior in you know the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, whatever it happens to be. That like it would be really hard for me. You know, like confidence is one thing, cockiness even is another thing. Yeah. But a quote like that just stands out, and it makes it how coachable is this guy going to be? You know, what kind of disruption is he going to be on my team? Because right. because you know, again, like where you anticipate him going up at the top of the draft, whether it's Jacksonville or Detroit or whatever team up there at the top of the draft, they're lacking talent. They need talent, but they're also in situations where a lot of those teams have new coaches and they're going to be, you know, trying to to instill new culture and all that kind of stuff. So it would be really hard to have that kind of attitude around as talented as he might be. Yeah, and I think, you know, I have no problem with him telling people that, you know, I should be the number one draft pick. Right. That's confident. Right. I have no problem with that whatsoever. But to say that I'm basically uncoachable, that I know everything, that's, <laughs> right. that's a problem. Huge red flag. Huge red flag. Absolutely. 
All right, the USFL, of course, made its debut last weekend. One of the things they did on TV, they used a drone. I don't know if you saw this. They used a drone to follow the football on the kicks. Do you buy or sell that idea? Okay, so, you know, peek behind the curtain. You sent me these questions, and I, because of this question, I went and looked up the video footage. Okay. okay? Because I had not seen it live. Okay. And I wanted to see what this was like. To be honest with you, I dig the drone view. I, I think it's pretty cool, to be honest. And I dig the helmet cams and everything else that the USFL has been doing. Yeah. I think it's a little outside the box, but it's different, and it's going to bring some viewers, I think. I, I have no problem with it whatsoever. Now, if I was a player, the constant buzz behind my head from the drone might be a little bit annoying. True. But other than that, I, I thought it was pretty cool. I, I, it was a different way to watch a game. And I, I think it's pretty neat. I, I like it. I kind of thought so as well. And both NBC and Fox are in on this. And what was that? Remember a few years ago at, at the Notre Dame game when NBC, what was that? What was that camera angle that they had? I can't remember what it was called, like the overhead. or I can't remember what it was, but it was just, it almost made you seasick trying to watch it on TV. <laughs> this, is, right. this is different. Like that was unique, but this is unique in that like when you watch a field goal typically because of the angle that you have a lot of times you can't tell did it actually go through the upright you know did it go off to the side where did it go and you don't get you know like any you can't really see the english on the ball from you know from a lot of those angles yeah but with this the drone it is literally following the football so you'll be you know you can see exactly what it's doing i think it's a pretty cool angle i mean you know I, I wouldn't want it out there i don't think you know like when the quarterback is throwing the ball downfield and that kind of stuff even though even you know sometimes that might be interesting i i think it's it's really unique and that's one of the cool things even though you know most of these startup leagues don't last as we've talked about before but it's kind of one of the cool things about this is you get a lot of this this new stuff you do get some actual unique things out there that it's like why isn't the nfl trying more of these things you know well we we do know that the nfl will steal items from these other leagues very true i mean that's probably coming next the the bug from uh the xfl and you know all those different things right i they would be crazy not to grab the drone thing and i agree with you i don't want that to be the main view i don't want that that's not how i want to watch the game yeah but from a instant replay situation, from a field goal situation, from a kickoff, you know, those kinds of things, a punt, I, I'm all for it. I, I think yep. it's a great idea. I really do. Absolutely. All right, we're going to wind things down. Vince, uh, thanks as always. Enjoy your weekend. Good luck tomorrow, and I'll talk to you next week. Hey, have a great call tomorrow. All right, absolutely. Vince D'Addario, Sean Steyer's Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, brought to you by Budweiser. Tim Grown State Farm Insurance, Barnabies of Mishawaka and Granger, and the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Again, South Bend Cubs baseball in a rain delay. They will get the game in. It'll be just a little bit behind, so it's not going to start at 7. I imagine they'll be starting sometime within the next hour, but uh, we will uh, keep you apprised of that. And again, Blue Gold game tomorrow, 1 o'clock. You'll hear it here on 9.60 a.m. as well as WSBTradio.com, the WSBT radio app or Sirius XM channel 84. Darren Pritchett and I will have that for you. Talk to you later. Have a great weekend. Budweiser's weekday sports beat.
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 